So I dear Father, we thank you for such a wonderful day. Thank you for your grace and your mercies bestowed upon us. Thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for every good and perfect gift which comes from above and from you, the Father of Light, in whom there is no shadow of turning. We are gathered this evening to sit at your feet, and we pray that you grant us wisdom, grant us knowledge. Open the eyes of our understanding. Let us behold wondrous things in your word, and in the end, we give you the glory. May these words come to transform our lives, and may we not deceive ourselves to be only listeners of the word, but we do the rest of the word as well. And in the end, we give you all the glory and the honor. Thank you, Lord, for an answered prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we are all welcome once again back to Household of the Father podcast. And particularly, we want to continue with a series that we started two weeks ago on the book of Jonah. And we looked looked at the chapters, or the chapter one, and then also the chapter two. And I'm sure you've learned a lot of stuff from what we have studied so far is like, I'm sure we are debunking some of the myths that we learned um, from Sunday school and we are learning more from the book of Jonah than we already know. And it's our prayer that we will get to know much better by the end of the chapter 4 or the last chapter. Yeah, so tonight we want to delve into the Word of God. I want to look at the chapter 3 of the book of Jonah. It has, it has been a very interesting and fascinating one. And I know we are learning a lot. We want to go deeper into the Word of God today. Glean more from this Holy Spirit as well even as we dive into the third chapter of the book of Jonah. So quickly, I want us to pick up our Bibles, either on our tablets or phones or the hard copy ones. And let's all turn to the book of Jonah chapter three and then let's read. And let's follow even as I read. Okay, so I'm reading from the book of Jonah chapter three. And I'm reading from the King James Version. So the book of Jonah chapter 3 verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. 
Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city and for three days journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, head nor flock, taste anything, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hand. Verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we should, that we perish not? And God saw their works and turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. Amen. So this is the King James Version of the book of Jonah chapter 3. I want us to read uh, some of the current uh, versions so that we really get the understanding. So Jonah chapter 3. Okay, so... Let me quickly go through the NLT and then begin our study. So, Jonah chapter 3, the NLT version of the New Living Translation. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the, ter- on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared the fast and put on Belap to show their soul. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed up himself in Belap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your heads and flock, may eat or drink anything at all. Let's eat. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Right, so I think this is much better and clear. We're able to relate to this version here. So the book of Jonah, or the third chapter of Jonah is also uh, interesting. And it has 10 verses, just like the 
second chapter does and it's it's a direct continuation from where the second chapter left off that's after um, god had commanded the quail to vomit out jonah after he had landed on the dry land bible says that the word of the lord came unto him the second time so after god had um, instructed jonah the first time and he had disobeyed and after he went through those turmoils and all his trials and temptation after he came out of it the word of the lord came unto him a second time and one thing i want to quickly point out is that god is a god of second chances and we can see clearly here um, that god had already given jonah the command and jonah disobeyed so after he had gone through what he went through god made the command come unto him a second time and this is not the first time we see this in scripture there are other there were several instances that you see let's see the word of the lord came unto jeremiah the second time the word of the lord came unto jeremiah or came to Ezekiel the second time. Even when you look at the prophet Samuel, yeah, in the book of First Samuel, yes, as the little boy was lying down in the temple, the voice of the Lord came unto Samuel three times before um, Eli told him that when he hears the voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servants here at this. And we also learned from our very first podcast episode, as we told, we, we learned about how the voice of God is very repetitive. It's very difficult to miss the voice of God. Before, um, let's say, you fall into a trial temptation, God is going to give you, God is going to speak to you several times. Even if he speaks to you once, David said that the Lord has spoken to me once, but twice have I heard yes. So God is always going to give us a lot of chances to hear him and it's because it's very hard to miss his voice and he knows our weaknesses and our frailty so he has made or he has given us that advantage or that avenue so that we can hardly miss his voice and then fall into um, diverse sort of temptations yeah. so god is always going to give us a second chance just as we've seen in the very first verse of jonah that the voice of the Lord came unto him the second time. So God didn't say that he had already commanded Jonah. So he is expecting Jonah to know what he um, is supposed to do. But he made sure that his voice or his word had come unto him the second time. Clearly with an instruction given to him. Or he was trying to reiterate the instruction that he had already given to him. That Jonah does not miss the assignment that he was given. Yes. So the voice of God is always going to be clear to us, it's going to be repetitive. And most of the time, it is our own doing, or we intentionally um, try to miss the voice of God. Because if we are really attentive, we are not going to miss the voice of God, since it's always going to come to us a lot of times before any danger or anything before us. So that is just something I want to point out to us. But um, when we continue from the second and then the third verse, yeah, so the second verse talks about the assignment that God told him to go and preach to the city of Nineveh. And the verse 3 describes the city of Nineveh as a very great city and as a city of a three, three days journey. So we know 
or from scripture, you know that um, at those times they didn't have the luxury of cars and motorbikes and these like serious means of transport as we do now. So most of their locomotion was as a result of or they used to walk as their major means of transport or they used some livestock or animals like um, the camels and then the donkeys and then the horses yes so the bible says Libya was a great city of a three days journey we are trying to say that um, if you try to walk through the city of Nineveh, it will take you three days to move from the beginning of the city to the very end of the city so this shows how great and mighty the city of Nivellos. And it also, to an extent, gives us an idea about the number of people that were living in the city. Yes, uh, if you tell that there were a lot of people inside um, that city and God had planned to destroy it. But we get to know what happens to the city as we go on with the study. So the verse 4 says, And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And this verse is very, very interesting. Because when you go through the whole chapters, or the whole of chapter 3, and even the whole book of Jonah, you realize that this was the only statement that Jonah made. The Bible, or we are not privy to the whole content of the preaching of Jonah. But if we are to go literally with what the Bible stated, then it supposes that this was the only statement that Jonah made. So this was the only preaching or the only word that Jonah made to the city of Nineveh. And it's, it's interesting because if this is the only statement that he made. I'm sure it will take, I mean, less than a minute to be done. So unless he he made or he preached, as the Bible said, the city is um, of a three days journey. So in order to get the whole attention of the city, you have to repeat the message a number of times. Yeah, but the Bible, the Bible doesn't speak, or scripture doesn't talk about that. The only thing we are privy of is that the first day that he entered into the city, he just told them that the whole city of Nineveh has 40 days and they are going to be overthrown or destroyed. When you read the NLT, the NLT says, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. So this is the only statement that Jonah made. These were the only words of his preaching. And as we go on, we realize how powerful, how these few words were able to transform the whole city. It is very, very interesting. And most of the time, when we look at the book of Jonah, what's, when we talk about the book of Jonah, most of us are uh, more conversant or we are more, or the most popular part of the book of Jonah is his disobedience and then how he got swallowed by the fish. Uh, most of the time we don't talk about 
his recovery after he had come out of the mouth of the wheel and what happened to the city of Nineveh and then the series of events that happened afterwards. It's always the, his disobedience and then his story with the wheel that most of us are more privy to. But when you look at the scripture, the scripture is talking about um, the message that Jonah preached to the city. These few words, and that was it. As we when we go to the verse four downwards, we see what the message did to the city of Nineveh. But I want us to just compare, or uh, in our time, we can say Jonah. Even though we know Jonah to be a prophet, in the New Dispensation, is the typology of his assignment, or yes. The nature of his assignments look like that of an evangelist. So I want us to just quickly look at that of an evangelist in the New Testament. That is the evangelist Philip in the book of Acts chapter 8. So I want us to start reading from verse 4. Yes. So it says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip speak, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. So I just want to skip to the verse 12. It says, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Yes. I just wanted us to compare um, the new or the modern new dispensation um, evangelists which is Philip to the prophets in the Old Testament, whose assignment looked like Jonah, or whose assignment looked like um, an evangelist in the New Dispensation. Yes, because we looked at, um, from last week, we looked at how, over the comparison between Jonah and then Jesus Christ, how Jesus Christ was supposed to die and then go into the grave for three days. The same way Jonah was also in there, belly of the fish for three days yes there was that similitude and jesus christ spoke of how the uh, message of jonah was able to turn around the city of Nineveh, and he said if this same message or there's even a greater message which is being preached to the children of israel yet they did not repent so it is very interesting that the words or i want us to just look at the obedience of jonah how he was able to recover from what he had gone through and these were the few words that he spoke, literally going with what the Bible said. 40 days and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. And these few words or these few messages had a tremendous 
effects on the whole city of Nineveh. The message had a tremendous effect on the whole city of Nineveh. And not only I will not want to um, commend Jonah to say maybe it was a great prophet, we obviously know that the power and the transformation came from God. But through his disobedience, his message was able to transform the whole city of Nineveh. And that is what I want us to learn and then take note of. So looking at just the words of Jonah, it's imagine you are to preach such a message in a modern day in a city, you are just going around saying maybe 40 days and Ghana will be destroyed or 40 days and the whole world will be destroyed. As we are now having a whole lot of crisis, we just we are recovering from the pandemic of COVID. Now we have the Ukraine and Russian war also still in session. And if you have been instructed by God to preach this message, that 40 days and then the whole world is going to be destroyed. It looks quite absurd. And these are only the words of your, but these are only the, yeah, the words of your message that God has instructed you to speak. But Jonah did not look at the message that he had been giving you or the quantity or it, it didn't uh, depend or the power of the message didn't depend on the number of words that he was supposed to speak or the eloquence about it or how vibrant the message was but it's just a sheer obedience to the message that he was uh, given he was able to transform the whole city so i just want us to take note of it that our obedience to God is very, very important. Most of the time, it will seem, when you are obeying God, it will seem like um, you are out of this world. You are, you are not reasoning well. You are not thinking well. But if you are able to follow through, or if you are just able to obey the voice of God, it is going to always have tremendous effect on our lives and the lives of a lot of people. Just as there's one in this who um, sang that hymn that when you work with the Lord, yeah, the major part of it is that trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So it's very, very important. Jonah did not look at the message that he was given. And this is um, something that I would not say is a canker, but um, it is something that has come to be with us as a body or the body of Christ. Of course, we are expected to deliver the message or the gospel with a lot of knowledge and wisdom. But most of the time, you find our modern day preachers are more centered about the eloquence and then the elegance about how we are able to articulate words and how we are able to um, interpret uh, the Greeks and the Hebrews. Uh, renditions and all those stuff. All those things are very good because we know from the scripture that was said that um, rightly dividing the word of always we studied so ourselves approved. A workman of God needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it's very expedient and important. It's very prudent that we study the word of God and we gain a lot of knowledge and mastery over it. But our focus should not always be on how we are able to articulate words and how we are going to receive plaudits from men. So sometimes, or at the point, we, we tend to miss the mark. Yes. We go there to show 
Yeah, we just go there to show up, but our focus is not on the message that God has given to us to give to these people. Yes. But if we just obey the instructions of God and just speak the word of God just as it is, I'm sure it is going to yield tremendous results. Yes. Of course, there are going to be times that, um, or maybe per your audience, you would need to, maybe if you are speaking with people of high intelligence, you would be much careful and cautious about the choice of words that you are going to use. Even with that, you have to make sure that the word of God is spoken clearly and plainly. And just the obedience of the instruction is going to do the bidding of God. I know in the book of I think it is first or second Corinthians, Paul was speaking about how when he came to the people of Corinthians, his speech was without excellency or eloquence. But a speech came with the demonstration of the power of God. Yeah, but Paul was speaking about yeah, when he came to the Church of Corinthians, how his speech was with trembling and how he was weak. And it wasn't with much eloquence and elegance, but it came with the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit, yes. So I just want to point out to us that the main thing that we are supposed to do is just to obey and follow the instructions of God. If you are asked to give a message, just give the message. If you are asked to move to a place, just move to the place. You are asked to do anything that the Spirit of the Lord leads you to do. You just have to follow it. And just by obeying it, the power of God is going to do its bidding. Yes, I want us to continue. The scripture I was talking about is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. When you read, you will find out. It says, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Uh, as you realize, you see everything there. Yes, I want us to continue reading the verse 4 and then the verse 8. Sorry, the verse 4 to verse 8 before we finally bring this chapter to a close. So, Jonah chapter 3, verse, verse 5 to verse 8 talked about the effects of the preaching of Jonah. So the verse 5 says that uh, the people of Nineveh believed the word of God. And after they believed the word of God, they proclaimed a fast. This is very interesting. It says, from the greatest to the smallest, even the animals. Okay, yes. So after they had even done that, the word also came, or the king was told about the prison of Jonah. And even as a king, he threw away his robe, put on sackcloth, just as his people had done, and proclaimed that there should be a fast, that no one should drink or eat, not even the animals. And this is very, very interesting. That uh, I don't think across um, scripture we have seen the fasting where both people and even animals and livestock are supposed to be part of the fasting, yes. But this shows the power and the effect that the preaching of Jonah had had 
upon the people of Nineveh, going to the extent of making even the animals fast. And it's something is very peculiar about the scripture because we know that the people of Nineveh obviously are Gentiles. So how were they able to know? Because when we let me capture the very words of the king. So the verse 8 says, But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? So after the word came, they proclaimed the fast, both animals and human beings. And he said, not only did they proclaim a fast, and this is something I want us to take note of. They didn't just proclaim the fast. They actually proclaimed the fast. They did the fast. And the king also said that they should turn away from their evil ways. And this is very, very essential. Because as believers, most of the time, uh, we will look at how God actually described how a fasting should be. In the book of Isaiah. But as believers, I'm sure most of us have fasted at a point in our lives. And I think one, one of these days we'll choose a day and look at the subject of fasting because there's a whole lot about it. But to the king, after he had proclaimed the fact, he asked the people to also turn away from their deeds. So this supposes that you can proclaim a fast or you can even be fasting and then still be in the evil deeds that you are doing because the fasting is not the end or the fasting is just the means to an end the fasting is just a way to afflict your soul to humble your soul before God and even as you put on sacrament and also sit in ashes it's a way of showing remorse in those days because in these days we are not supposed to do what the Lord demands yes and Jesus Christ also spoke about how fasting should be. He spoke about when you are fasting, you are supposed to comb your hair. You are not supposed to make your face mundane and look or make everyone see that you are fasting. But it's very, very important that when we are fasting, the fasting is not the end or the goal is not to starve your stomach. But the goal is to draw you closer to God, to set apart that time. Because when you are um, when you are not fasting, there are a lot of things that you are doing. If let's say you want to cook, maybe it can take you like two or three hours to get the food ready. You have to go to the market to get food stamps and blah blah blah. But once you proclaim the fast, you that time that you have used and the energy and everything, you save everything and then you seek the face of God. And not only are you doing that, but when you look at all the kings, they said that they are not only fasting, but they are also supposed to turn away from their evil ways. And it's very, very important. So fasting alone is not the point. Even as they were fasting and they were praying, and fasting is always supposed to do with prayer. There's no way you can fast without prayer. I'm sure we have time to talk about that. So even as you fast and then you pray you're also supposed to make sure that you repent from your evil ways or you're supposed to uh, leave the evil aspects of your lives away and this is something you have to put in a conscious effort 
So it's not like once you fast and you pray, it is automatically going to leave you. But it is something that by the help of the Holy Spirit, you are supposed to leave so that it gets out of your life. And it is very uh, interesting because as I stated early on, the people of Nineveh are Gentiles. And it's interesting how they were able to know that this is a way or how did they in the first place know that um, this God responds to repentance and then remorse. Uh, maybe obviously we can say that there were other gods in the city of Nineveh, yes. And different gods have different ways that they ought to be saved. But they were able to know that this God will uh, respond to their prayers. He will also respond to their fasting and then also respond to them turning away from their evil ways. Even though they were not set, the king was just saying that they are supposed to do these things, perhaps or by chance, God might see them and then forgive them. So when you read from the book of um, Romans, Paul made a very interesting statement there. He was talking about how the Gentiles were able or in a way or in part were able to obey some part of the law even though they were not given the law because the law was given to the Israelites yes but Paul even as he was given an exegesis on the law he was talking about or he got to that point where he was talking about how the Gentiles or those who have the law will be judged by the law and those who don't have the law will be judged outside the law. But I want us to read the very words that he spoke of because these people are Gentiles. They are not supposed to know the right way. And the fact that CLM put this across, the fact that they are Gentiles does not mean that they do not know the difference between right and wrong. But I'm very sure that um, after Adam and Eve had eaten of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I'm sure it is something that was passed down to all humanity. So we know the difference between the good and then the badges that our conscience is there to, or the spirit that is supposed to cause us to do the good stuffs is there so we are unable to follow or hear the promptings that's in a natural man uh-huh. yes so obviously the a, a person uh, a natural man knows from scripture when i talk about a natural a natural man knows the difference between good and evil but it has not been mastered as the book of hebrews puts it as strong men or the strong meat belongs to people who by reason of use have been able to discern between both good and evil yes so let's move quickly to the book of Romans chapter 2 it says for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without law and as many as have sinned in the law shall be made shall be judged by the law for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without law and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law for not the hearers of the law are just before God 
but the doers of the law shall be justified. The verse 14 is the point of emphasis. It says, when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. It's very important. I'm taking it again. It says, for when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these not having the law are a law unto themselves. Suppose trying to say that the Gentiles obviously did not have the law, but they were able to do some of the things that were inside the law naturally. And because they were able to do these things, they are going to be charged or those things that they did has now become a law unto them and they can be judged by those things. So when you take this and you just oppose it with what happened in the book of Jonah, Jonah has now come to preach unto them that the city is going to be destroyed because of their evil deeds. Now the people of Nineveh have to respond because now they have been given a warning or God has spoken to them through Jonah. So if God had not spoken to them, then it will say that God would have been um, quote-unquote unfair to destroy the people of Nineveh because obviously they do not have the law, they do not know, but they cannot discern between the good and then the evil. But the word of the Lord had come to them through Jonah, so now they did not have any excuse. But they were able to also respond through their prayers, through their fasting, and through repentance. And this is very, very important. How these Gentiles were able to see these principles and then unlock them. And even the fast that they proclaimed was an indefinite fast because the Bible didn't speak about the number of days the fast lasted for. Yes. And we can see maybe it did not go beyond 40 days because Jonah said. Um, 40 days the city is going to be destroyed because we know in the last chapter that the city wasn't destroyed so the fast maybe did not exceed 40 days but the length of the fast is not important there what was important is the the mindset that was behind the fast that they were just doing they were not just doing it but they had consciously put in that principle in place seeking the face of god and this is something worth emulating as believers. Um, sometimes you can go through certain things and you, you have to put certain structures in place and they might be indefinite. So maybe you can give yourself, uh, you may not even give us a specific number of days, but let's say you are praying every day for let's say two hours, you are fasting maybe from six to 12, so maybe God does something for you. It's very, very important because there are going to be times that almost everything that you are trying to do might not work for you. And you have to put in some stringent methods and structures in place to help you seek the face of God. But everything that you are talking about that happened in the book of Jonah, that is the chapter 3, stems back to Jonah's obedience. I was able to. Um, recover from what he had gone through, obey the voice of God and then preach. And this had a tremendous effect on the land. And the verse 10 says, And God saw their works that they had turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. So after they had fasted, 
or in the course of their fasting and after they had repented of their evil ways. The Bible says that um, God repented of the evil that he had planned to do. Yeah, before I do my final comments on the last chapter, I just want us to look at what I said about the type of fasting that God had ordained in the book of Isaiah. I quickly want to look at that before we end. Isaiah chapter 58. I think almost the whole chapter talks about this. Almost the whole chapter. We can't obviously look at the whole chapter. When we look at the subject of fasting, we'll do that. It is, let me start from the verse 3. It says, Wherefore have we fasted, say thee, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the face of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice to be heard. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow his head as a bulrush, to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to lose the band of the wicked, to undo the heavy burden, and let the oppressed go free, and that he break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor? that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked thou covest him verse 8 is then shall thy light shine then shall thy light break forth as the morning and thy health shall spring forth speedily and thy righteousness shall go before thee the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward yes I think when you get time you can go through the whole chapter of Isaiah chapter 58 and it gives a very vivid explanation of how God or God has ordained his fasting to be. So the people of Israel were just focusing on the rudiments of the fasting. They were just looking at how they can put on their sackcloths, how they can sit in ashes, how they can mourn. But they were doing all these things and God was not answering their prayers. And then God spoke to them and he said, I spoke to them through the prophet saying, that this is not the fasting that he had ordained for them, but the fasting that he had ordained was that they should be able to lose the bands of their slaves, they should do good, they should cover people who are poor, who are naked. They are supposed to do the good deeds. That is what God, or the aim of the fast, is supposed to transform their hearts to do the good deeds, not just to put on the sackcloth and do the ceremonies and drama and the theatrics that surround the fasts and this the same way it applies to us so it's very very important the goal of fasting and then prayers is not to show people that you can fast and pray for long but the goal is to afflict your soul and do the right thing and repent from your evil ways yes yeah, so the last verse talks about um, or just shows us the consequences of what the people of Nineveh had done. God actually saw their works and he saw that they had truly repented of their works and then God had, God forgave them. But there's a question that I want to give to us as audiences. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did. It's not. So I want to ask us if God actually repents. Is it that God did not see that? The people of Nineveh are going to repent. 
Yeah, but this is a question for us, so we should just think about it and then you can put our comments in our Telegram platform, what we think about it. Yeah, so does God repent? Because we know from the book of the Numbers chapter 23 that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Yeah, so we should be able to look at the context and then see what scripture is actually talking about. But there's a question for us as listeners and audience. Let us share our thoughts on it. But one thing I just want to leave us with before we end today's episode is that our obedience goes a long way in the kingdom of God. It's something that is not a trivial issue. It's something that we have to take a less heed of because Jonah, by just obeying the voice of God, by just speaking these few words of preaching, the words were able to have a colossal and huge effect on the whole country or town of Nineveh or the city of Nineveh. And God spared the lives of many because one man paid. So sometimes when you are doing something, don't only think about yourself. Know that there are other people that are definitely depending on you. Because your your success in the kingdom of God is what others are going to reap the benefits of. The same with Jesus Christ, um, or we are reaping the benefits of the death of Jesus Christ. Imagine if Jesus Christ had not come to die for us. We know what our end would have been. The same way the men of old look at the Apostle Paul, even talked about how Jesus Christ is the foundation of the body. And we as his children, we are supposed to build upon that foundation. So it's like the house that we are building on the foundation that Jesus Christ has laid. If you're able to do your part very well, it will also be a platform where to set the stage for others to also do mighty work. So there's no way we are supposed to give up course as a doctor you might be some the person you are going to as a doctor you are going to be the person to save the life of someone who is going to be maybe a major prophet in the life of others um, as maybe a computer engineer maybe as a, you are going to develop an app that is going to save the world no matter where you find yourself if you are only obedient to the voice of god god is going to use you to transform the lives of many so it's very key and important that we obey the voice of god and we do the instructions of god without complaint and without nagging yes uh, god bless us for staying around for today's bible study and i believe we learned a lot as I stated early on, we are not supposed to be just hearers of the word, but we are supposed to be doers of the word. So everything that we've learned, let's go back. If you can play the audio several times and listen to it, and let's read the scripture over and over so that we can move over it, we can meditate and see what God has in store for us. So hopefully we are going to see you next week. And before we do that, we want to pray and then commit ourselves unto God that the Lord will grant us that grace to always hear His voice. The Bible said in the beginning chapter of Jonah chapter 3 that the voice of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. 
we are asking that the voice of God will, in its nature, will always repeat itself unto us, that we will never miss his voice, no matter where we go. The psalmist says that when we go in the wilderness, we will hear that voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. We are praying that God grant us that ears, open our ears that we might hear you, open our eyes that we may see you, sharpen our senses to know your leadings and your promptings. The hymnist said that I want a principle within of jealous godly fear, a sensibility of sin, and a pain to feel it near. I pray that God grant us that grace to always hear you, to always see you, to always feel you, to do your obedience and your promptings. Finally, we are also praying that the Lord will grant us grace to be obedient to his voice. When we hear the promptings, when we feel the promptings, when we see the instructions, may we not just roll them or put them aside, but may we do them because we know that the blessing is always coming. Lord, the blessing comes in the doing of the word of God. We're asking that God grant us that grace, grant us that grace to do your bidding, to do and obey your instructions, that many will be saved, that many lives will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Finally, I want to pray that God will grant us his mercies to continually walk or follow or be in step with his Holy Spirit at all times in the name of Jesus. That the Holy Spirit will guide us in every endeavor of our lives. That every decision that we take, I would say we should not trust or we should trust the Lord in all. We should trust the Lord with all our hearts. And we should not lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, we should acknowledge Him and He will direct our path. Pray that the Lord will direct our paths in every way that we go. The Holy Spirit will lead us and show us what we ought to do at every point in time. So, Father, this is our prayer to you this evening. Thank you for another prayer in the name. Amen. So, God bless us once again for staying around. We appreciate your presence without speaking any doubt. And we thank you to